0: All right, why don't you turn to Zechariah chapter 5, please. Zechariah chapter 5, we're going to do the whole chapter, 11 verses, they're short. And um, the message is entitled, God's Judgment of um, Wickedness. Now, the prophet Zechariah has been bombarded with visions one after another. Um, In one night, he received them all. Some see seven, others see eight, uh, as they see the connection. Uh, others uh, take them individually with no connection, they see the ten. I don't really care how you see them, just you see the relationship, which is the most important thing. I see seven, and that's how I look at them. But again, in my introduction, I went through the whole thing, I'm not going to belabor it. But um, the first vision of the four horses revealed jealousy of God for Jerusalem, as you remember, and was uh, ready to punish the nations for their abuse of his people beyond what he intended to in chapter 1, verse 7 through 17. Now, from that point on, all other visions expand on that one vision. They're all related to that, and they keep expanding. And um, he received them all on February the 24th, 520 B.C., and you get that in chapter 1, verse 7. Now, the seventh and last vision is of the four chariots revealing the watchers of God, carrying out the will of God throughout the world, and that you find in chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. And the visions stop. Beginning verse 9 to 15 of chapter 6, that is not a vision. That is the crowning of Joshua. Um, The coronation of him is typified as a type of Jesus Christ in the millennium. Now, when you go through the vision of Zechariah, he's doing short-term, coming out of Babylon... And repatriating the nation, but he's looking long-term to the tribulation period. And he's got more material in the millennial kingdom than all the minor prophets put together. We've gone over and over again. Very, very important. So you see the short-term and long-term, and you'll see this clearly in our study this morning. Um, So let's look at the sixth vision that reveals the judgment of God regarding evil to sanctify his people back in the land. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? And so I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and and the width 10 cubits. And then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to the side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled according to the side of it. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. I shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of the house and consume it with its timber and stones. And then the angel who talked with me came out and he said to me, Lift your eyes now and see what is that goes forth. So I asked, What is it? And he said, It is a basket that is going forth. He also said, This is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is the lead disc, lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Then he said, This is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw a a lead cover over its mouth. And then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women coming with the wind of, uh, of their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. And so I said to the angel, Who talked with me, where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me, to build a house for it in the land of Shinar, when it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. This sixth vision that reveals the um, judgment of God regarding the evil, as he sanctifying his people back from the land, consists of three scenes. First scene is found in verse 1 through 4, the scroll of the broken law. Second, you have the basket of evil purged in verse 5 through 8. And then you have the two women removing evil in verse 9 through 11. We begin with the scroll of the broken law, verse 1 through 4. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the prophet Zechariah saw a vision of the scroll moving through the air. Kind of strange. Um, The vision came to Zechariah as he just finished hearing the words of, of the interpreting angel about the last vision of the two olive trees. Then I turn and raise my eyes. The first verse. He's finishing up the previous verse. As he's doing this, he he looks. So as his eyes were fixed on the previous vision, he turns and he saw now this scroll. As if you were looking at one computer screen, and then it just faded out, and you look to the other one and you get that. Notice the vision is confirmed by the phrase, and raise my eyes. I make this emphasis every time because many people try to make these dreams. He is awake, a vision while you're awake, and it's very, very clear. The phrase is used for other times regarding the vision, 118, 21, 51, Now, notice the vision Zachariah saw was strange in occurrence. He saw there a flying scroll. Now, he's a Jew. He understands scrolls. A scroll is referred here to a written manuscript of the Word of God. Various materials were used, as you know, if you were with our study of the um, God's Word, can you trust it? There was papyrus, clay, wood, there was vellum, animal skin, many different things. And um, and the scroll comprises of two wooden rollers, one on the top, one on the bottom. And as you would open it up and roll it over to read it, you'd be rolling it back up so that this way it would remain back together. Um, The angel that had been interpreting the vision, notice, once again examines the spiritual perception of Zechariah constantly. Verse 2, the question of the angel was uh, as to the other times, and he said to me, what do you see? Again, we will see, as before, though Zechariah could see and identify what he saw physically, he did not understand the significance or the meaning of it. The angel will give the interpretation. We don't understand the word of God because we're so smart. Yes, we study. But if we weren't born again, it would yield to nothing. The word of God meant nothing to me or to you when you read it before you're born again. Once you're born again, it's alive. Now, notice the prophet responded. So I answered. I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width." 10 cubits. The scroll is unrolling uh, wide open, flying through the air. Huge. 20 cubits by 10 cubits. The average cubit is 18 inches from the middle finger to the elbow. There are 21, 24 different cubits, but the 18 is what the average, especially in the scriptures here. So you're talking about, um, the this scroll is at 20. You're talking about 30. At 10, it's 15. So, 30 by 15, this is the exact same size as the holy place. The 15 by 30 before the veil, then the holy of holies was 15 by 15, a perfect cube. It's also uh, the same size, um, 15 by 30, the size of Solomon's porch where the altar of judgment was. And this is what's happening here, judgment, no coincidence. Now, notice the prophet Zechariah in verse 3 and 4 was given the interpretation, once again, of the flying scroll. He's not left to his own interpretation, which would be subjective, would be a guess, would be missing the mark. You and I are not left in any of these visions, they are given the interpretation The angel gave the general identity of the scroll first. Listen to his words. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. The curse is not referred to a type of curse often sought out and pronounced by um, those of the occult. In other words, uh, wizards, soothsayers, necromancers, spiritists, so on and so forth, through the medium sometimes of tarot cards, Ouija boards, or palm reading or whatever it may be. This is not what it's talking about. The curse here refers to the consequences of obeying and disobeying the covenant that Israel made with with God back in Deuteronomy 27, 28. If you, if you obey, I'll bless you. If you disobey, I'll get you. And they understood that. That was the covenant, conditional. Now, notice the curse is pronounced over all the face of the whole earth. The phrase, in short-term fulfillment, refers to the Jews who had gone now out of captivity from Israel from Babylon, but they were still disobeying God's covenant word. Though they had returned to the land, they had not returned to God. Now, we've seen the repentance already with Haggai, because Haggai and him are prophesying at the same time, and we saw in the first vision also of uh, Zechariah. But there were still some who were not, all right? The word earth can be translated land, and it could refer to Israel and Jerusalem on the short term basis, but long term wise, the fulfillment of this is the ultimate fulfillment as he judges sin through the seven year tribulation, the wrath of God from heaven to establish the millennial kingdom. Okay, so we'll see this as we move through. Now, notice the angel gave the specific identity now of the curse. Every thief shall be expelled according to. This side of the scroll and every perjurer shall be expelled according to the other side. The end of verse 3 says, The guilty party is said to be the thief and the perjurer. Who in spite of the 70 year judgment, they continue to live in this rebellious way. Okay? The thief was guilty of the 8th commandment dealing with man's relationship to man. The second table of the law. The perjurer was guilty of the 3rd commandment. Dealing with man's relationship to God. The first table of the law. The vertical is the most important. Because we fear God. We obey God. Then we see an extension of God to our parents. Which is the first one for the second tablet. Okay? And everything else you do. And we'll go through some of that. Now... Ezekiel had a similar experience with the scroll. Listen to him in Ezekiel 2, 9 and 10. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, the scroll of book was in it. And then he spread it before me, and there was writings on the inside and the outside. And written on it were lamentations and mournings and woes. Ezekiel's prophesying judgment here also. All right? The word Expel, that we have in our text here, means to be punished for their crime. Simple. Each person for the rebellion against God, each person for their individual sin against God or man. So this judgment in this section is individual. God is very personal. He deals with us. He doesn't punish your children for your sins. He doesn't punish you for your children's sins. Okay? Each individual. Now, notice the identity of the scroll is confirmed to be the two tablets of the Ten Commandments by the description that is that it was written on both sides according to the side of the scroll, just as the tablets given to Moses in Exodus thirty-two, fifteen. Okay, He's dealing with his covenant people. There would be no person to escape the judgment of God. Mark it well. Even though God had brought them back, from captivity, there was still rebellion in the heart of many of them. God pronounced the verdict and sends. Listen to him. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. No one can oppose him. No one can defeat him. He's never lost a battle. God would seek each person out. Listen to his words. It shall enter his house. Of the thief into the house of the one who swears falsely by my name, using the name of God, passing himself off as being one with God, but just using God. That happens a lot today, ladies and gentlemen, and in every generation. The judgment of God, again, our personal individual. Notice God will carry out the punishment. It shall remain in the midst of the house and consume it with its timber and stone. Very picturesque, very, very specific, meaning that he will bring judgment on them regardless. Whatever they have gained, he'll take from them. He will judge them. See, everybody has a big mouth down here. No one's going to have a big mouth up there. When God judges, everybody's going to be silent. Now, listen to Ezekiel. God told Ezekiel, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat the scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll and he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly until your stomach with the the scroll that I may give you. So I ate it and it was my mouth like honey and sweetness. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak to with my words to them. Now, he took it in his mouth sweet. When it hit his belly, it was bitter. No one delights in pronouncing judgment. No one delights in saying God's going to judge the world. But we have to tell the people, warn the people. You hear me? Okay? I don't smack my lips when I'm saying, yeah, he's going to fry you dirty sinner. It's not what it's about. In fact, the proclamation is evidence of your love for the lost. Which of you as parents don't warn your children? If you don't, you're not a parent. Do you warn them because you want to make their life miserable? Or do you warn them because you want to protect them? Let's give God a break, ladies and gentlemen. That verse in Ezekiel was chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Let me ask you a question. Is any of you driving to church this morning on the freeway, the policeman tur- pull you over and give you a citation for good driving? No. The law doesn't reward you. The law punishes you. The law finds you guilty. Even when we feel we don't deserve that ticket, I, need, I deserve a ticket before I even get out of my driveway. I know I'm due. It's about 20 years. It's coming. You know, God never gave the law to justify man, but rather to uh, show him his inability to keep the law. Therefore, any person who believes they can stand before God because they live some moral, ethical, religious standard, and they can stand before God as self-deceived. You ready for the requirement of the law, the standard? Perfection. You want to stand up? No, none of us. None of us can make it. James says, for whatever, whoever shall keep the law, the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all of it. James 2.10. So you keep the law. You think you're good, everything else. Yeah, right before you're going to die, you stub your toe and you blow out a big one. That's it. You blew it. Wow. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curses everyone who does not continue in all these things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, man's a lawbreaker by nature. So that law provokes man to sin. It challenges him to disobey. Like that sign that says, Wet paint, don't touch. What do you do? You touch it. The sign says, do not walk on the grass. Really? You think it's confined to adults? The 10 old you've just swatted them. Don't touch that crystal. And he goes, Shh. looking at you. Don't tell me I can't touch it. Rebels. Lawbreakers. The law pronounces me guilty. We know, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God, Romans 3.19. Three chapters, Paul says, everybody's guilty. No one can come to God unless through Jesus Christ. Wow. The fulfillment or the fulfilled law was accomplished by God through his son, Jesus Christ. The entire law spoke of him, types, shadows, and prophecies. Listen to um, Hebrews ten seven 7. It says, um, um, Behold, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do your will, O God. Volume of the book, Genesis to Revelation, the red thread, all the way through. Genesis three fifteen, the seed of the woman, Isaiah seven fourteen, 14. Behold, the virgin shall bear a son. She calls his name Emmanuel. Matthew picks it up in fulfillment. Um, God sent his only son in fulfillment of the law Uh, Revelation, all of it the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world just over and over and over again in fact, Revelation 19.10 says for the testimony of Jesus the spirit of prophecy of who Jesus? not Allah not Buddha not Mary nobody but Jesus Christ wow pretty narrow hey it's hell or heaven what do you want? There's a way to heaven, but God's way, not your way. The entire sacrificial system spoke of Jesus. Again, John says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John one twenty nine. Paul says, Therefore the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Faith is believing what God has revealed. It's not an emotion. It's not believing hard enough. It's me believing what God says. If I believe in his son, that he died in my place, I can call upon his name. That's faith. That's biblical faith. And God honors his word above his name. Now, God will judge the unbeliever by the moral law uh, of God and man. You know, those who hear the gospel, they reject it and everything else. They'll stand before God. Every civilized nation has lived by the moral law of the Ten Commandments. You realize that, right? Not the first tablet because they don't believe in God, but the second tablet. Um For there to be preservation in order, there has to be something. In every civilized nation, okay? Now, what we're having today is they're saying we're having a clash of cultures. No, we're not. We're having a clash of civilized nations and uncivilized nations. That's what we're having, okay? Every civilized nation believes in the second tablet. Exodus 20, 12 through 17. Honor your father, your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, uh, his wife, his mule, his donkey, his uh, gummy bears, and all the rest. Okay? Nothing. Okay? Those are absolute moral principles and laws for a nation and a society to fit Orderly. And if it is, they must bring consequences when those things are broken. The Bible declares every person has sufficient knowledge to conclude God exists. God holds him responsible to these, these standards. Listen carefully. First, by creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are listened. Without excuse, Romans one twenty. You gone camping on your back, on your on your sleeping bag. Up, see the stars? You are guilty, busted, because you are saying, "I wonder who made those things?" God. Look to the mountains. Who pushed those up? God. Wow. Secondly, by conscience, for when Gentiles, who do not have the law, listen carefully, by nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness in between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing, Romans two fourteen through 15. Busted, creation, conscience, accusing, excusing. See, I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have said that. If you wouldn't have pushed me, I wouldn't have hit you in the mouth. So really it's your fault. Or we justify ourselves. Guilty. Third is the history. God sent the Son in the likeness of the sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. Romans 8.3 We're busted. Creation, conscience, history. All. Well, how are God's going to judge them? Creation, conscience, history. Wow. The scroll of the broken law would judge every guilty person coming out of Babylon, even those who remain in Babylon. Notice, secondly, the basket of evil purse, 5 through 8. In 5 through 6, the prophet Zechariah then saw something else in the vision here. And the angel continues to instruct the prophet. This is the same angel, still redirecting in uh guiding Zachariah, then the angel who talked with me came and said to me, notice the angel is merely the instrument of God to guide Zachariah through these visions. The angel is not the one giving the vision. The angel gave a command to Zechariah, lift up your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. Once again, the word lift your eyes confirms it's a vision while awake. The purpose is to mark what Zechariah observes with his eyes. See what this that goes forth. The prophet Zechariah once again admits his own inability to comprehend, notice what he sees. He sees physically, but listen to his word. So I ask, what is it? Physically? twenty twenty. Spiritually, zero zero. No idea about the significance or the meaning. The angel first gave the general interpretation of Zechariah in verse 6. The angel told the prophet that the basket he was seeing was going to be taken somewhere. And he said, it is a basket that is going forth. The word basket is ephod, about seven gallons of dry measure Used um, by the Jews, it has the affiliation and connection here of um, of commercialism, business. As you know, the Jews were agrarians of the earth, farming. But when they went to captivity, they learned the business, mula, dough, cash, and they've never left it since. The angel then told the prophet that the basket depicted what it was known by all already. Listen, this is their resemblance throughout the earth. The word resemblance literally means what is seen with the eye. In other words, it's understood, it's perceived. The character and reputation was one of evil and it will be revealed in the next verse. Babylon. Babylon is mentioned 264 times. Jerusalem is mentioned 776 times. The two most mentioned city, they're opposed to one another. Notice verse 7 and 8, the prophet Zechariah now was given the specific interpretation of the vision. The end will describe the particulars of the vision. Here is the lead disc lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. There was a lead disc-like shape object lifted up, sort of like a flying saucer, panned out if you want. And it confirms it is going to be taken somewhere here. Verse 5 says, see what this is that goes forth. Then on the this lead saucer like this, a woman is sitting inside the basket. Kind of weird. I mean, what, what do you make of this? You know what I mean? Yet the word ephod here would be too small for the woman to be in it. Does that throw me off? No, I don't care. I could say, well, she could stand in, but she's going to be crunched in. <laughs> but remember, this woman is personifying evil, okay? That's what's going on. She's described as being inside. This represents the measure of wickedness, evil in the land of Israel that would be removed that had been brought back by the remnant from Babylon and still some in Babylon that remained there, the majority of them were still living that way. Again, the Jews learned the commercialism from Babylon. The dishonest practices come with it. That's why they didn't come back, the majority of them. Just a little bit under 50,000, book of Ezra. Now, 75 years later, Nehemiah rebuked the leaders for merchandising their own brethren and putting high interest on them. I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah Ezra would pluck his beard on all that in his hair. Nehemiah would slap them and pull out their hair. I like him better. Um, notice the angel then declare what the vision of the woman in the basket represented. We're not given to ourselves subjectively. Then he said, this is wickedness. The word for wickedness simply means iniquity and evil. The basket represented the measure of evil still among the remnants of the Jews. This is corporate sin. The first vision was individual sin. This is corporate sin now. Okay. The scripture always uses a woman to personify evil or wickedness. Now, ladies, listen up. Whenever a woman is represented or presented in any way outside of what God intended, here it is, your two highest calling, a wife and a mother. She's always presented as a bad light and evil. A woman is always presented that way. Now, in Matthew 13, 33, the parable of the sword, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. This is what follows the the parable of the sower. Here a woman is bringing in false doctrine into the church, the word of God. It's a woman who's doing it. Evil, consistent with the scripture. There are many others. Now notice the angel depicted the evil of this woman that needed to be contained And he thrusts her down into the basket and threw the lid cover over its mouth. So the angel is pictured as forcibly containing the evil this woman represents. It's trying to get out. The word thrust means to cast down, to hurl, into the basket to confine it. The idea is forcibly and even violently in a manner. As if you're trying to get that rat and you've got a bucket and you've got a thing and you get it in, put that lid right on at the same time. You don't want to let it out. Then the angel notices, pictured as sealing the basket to ensure that confinement of the evil she represents. Immediately he does this. The same word is used for the woman as for the lid to cast down the hurl. Fast, Violently. See, God was going to purge the land of Israel and Jerusalem of their evil practices brought back. That's the short term. The land of Israel is called holy only one time in the Bible. Do you realize that? Zechariah 2.12. Listen. And the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the land, in the holy land, and will again choose Jerusalem. You know, in the millennial holiness unto the lord even the even the horses will have bells holiness unto the lord right what's on the mitre of the priest holiness to the lord right only one time the land's called holy land right here god was purging the land the long term looks to the destruction of commercial babylon that will be set up during the great tribulation babylon the great the mother of harlots in the abomination of the earth, the kingdom of the Antichrist, Revelation 11, God will destroy commercial Babylon altogether. You know, the evil wickedness that is um, practiced in our present world and day has been vividly portrayed by our leaders in our own nation. Um, Nancy Pelosi said about Obamacare that that is why we have to pass it so we can find out what's in it. Obama said, if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep it, period. If you want to keep your plan, you can keep it, period. They passed it by twisting the Commerce Clause. Commerce Clause, money. You see, it was about taking money from us and taking it for themselves. 25, 27% of the National GPD this world is not a nice world, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a fallen world. Let God be true and every man a liar. Wow. The world is a very um, corrupt place. Always has been. Will continue to be. It will get worse. But thank God we have Jesus Christ in the hope of him. Um, Adam, by the fall, unleashed sin and opened the doors of wicked evil. Of every kind, after Chapter Three, Satan is called the god of this world he 's the source of evil second corinthians four four The devil holds men and women captive to do his will in second timothy two twenty six Satan Lucifer, son of the morning, who fell from heaven, weakened the nations isaiah fourteen twelve says satan's the liar, the father of lies jesus said. He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it, John 8, 44. Satan will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog will gather together for the battle whose numbers will be as the sand of the seas, Revelation 20, verse 8. You know what that is? That's at the end of the thousand-year reign after a perfect Reigning of Jesus for a thousand years, Satan is bound. He's let loose again. What do people do? They follow Satan again. Wow. Are you saying we're good? I've always told you, finish the sentence, good for nothing. Wow. Some of the most wicked places in our present world regarding evil and wickedness are exalted and praised as good and beneficial for mankind. And they're some of the most financially prosperous Top on the list is universities of the U.S. that are full of godless men and women corrupting the youth of America and destroying our nation. The Trojan horse to America is public school education and universities. Planned Parenthood who murdered babies for profit and sells now body parts. Ladies and gentlemen, we have killed. Mothers have killed 50 million of their babies since 1973. Roe versus Wade if you add up all the men that have died in all the wars we've ever known, they don't even come close our enemies did that, adults mothers have done this to their own children wow the pornography industry has corrupted many young women and enslaved so many young men not to mention the marriages and families they have destroyed and continue to destroy. Uh, in some parts of the nation, there's a professional prostitute house and they get to get a W-2 and claim taxes and all the kind of stuff. In fact, the government you took, the, took over the Mustang Ranch in Nevada back in the uh, 80s, I think, and they ran it for profit for a while. Amazing. Wow. The pastors and churches deceiving so many today by giving them a watered down gospel, which is no gospel at all, for the love of popularity, fame, and fortune. These are the worst of all that I've mentioned because you're dealing with eternity and spiritual matters. They're the worst. Wow. God help pastors when they don't teach the Word of God, when they don't proclaim the need of salvation through the repentance of sins in the name of Jesus Christ, when they are intimidated or struck with fear and they insult the blood of the martyrs. God help us. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who who call good evil, and evil good. Put darkness for light, light for darkness. Put bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. Welcome to America and the world. God will judge the evil commerce of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Listen to Revelation 17. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting in a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemies. Having seven heads and ten horns, the woman was arrayed with purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. having. On her hand, a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornications. In her forehead, a name was written Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. She's hot to trot, but she's headed for judgment. High heels, tinkling cymbals to kick their finger and get attention. All the bling bling, everything else. Commerce. Wow. Here's the mind. Which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Revelation 17, nine says. And the woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Verse 18 says. Who is that? The Roman Catholic Church sits on seven hills of Rome. Hard to change her address. The most powerful church that has ever been and still is. She will be one with the Antichrist and he will turn around and devour her. Wow. The basket of evil purged from the land regarded the evil Israel learned in Babylon. Notice thirdly, we have the woman of evil removed now, verse 9 through 11. The prophet Zechariah in verse 9 saw two other individuals in the vision now. Um, Zechariah described himself ready to receive the continuation of the vision. Then I raised my eyes and looked. God is the one revealing, He's the one receiving. And Zachariah saw two more females. And there were two women, he says. Now, these two women are not angels, okay? They're angels with devil's face. They're not angels, okay? Some people try to make them angels. They're not angels. And, um, He identified two women. And the two women are one with the woman of wickedness in the basket. These two women, um, will be the ones transporting. That wicked woman in the basket, as we'll see. Notice Zechariah, seeing them, describe their appearance coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. They arrived flying, in the wings, and they're represented by a simile. A simile is a, a form of speech that is introduced by one of two words. Like or as. It doesn't mean they were storks. Someone says to you, man, he ran fast as lightning. It doesn't mean you're lightning. He's comparing you to something. Okay? Like or as. And so, here, like storks, the interesting thing is storks are unclean birds. And they're birds again. Birds are evil. Okay? They are one with the wicked evil of the woman. For birds in scripture are symbolic of unclean and evil beasts. Leviticus 11, 19. Remember Abraham was making a covenant with God in in Genesis 15, 11. and, And vultures were around and he shooed them away. Evil. There's also the parable of the sower. Depicting the birds that devour the seed from the heart of man. The wayside. Matthew 13, 4. There is... The parable of the mustard seed, when it grows abnormally large, because it's a bush. The fat birds lodge within. When the church becomes abnormally large in the, in the, in the last times, Jesus said, there's a lot of dishonest people coming into the church, merchandising the people of God, bringing corrupt teaching. Peter says in chapter 2, they will have great followings from within. Judas Iscariots are not outside the church, they're inside the church. Okay? Remember that. The notice now Zachariah observed the two women taking the confined wicked woman away, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. And the woman in the basket was suspended in the air between heaven and earth. God was going to purge the land again of Israel of the evil of this remnant they had learned. And then he's also, as he mentioned, mentioned with the ones deal with the ones still in Babylon. When you come to verse ten and eleven. The prophet Zechariah asked the angel the destination of this woman and basket in the air. Zechariah was completely dependent on the angel once again to understand the vision. Verse 10, the prophet identifies um, him as the same angel, so I said to the angel who talked with me. Consistently, Zechariah reveals his inability. It's very important to understand this. Okay. Consistently revealing his responsibility to pay attention because he has to communicate to the people of God. Peter says the men of all the prophets, they looked sometimes, they understood who they spoke about. Other times they didn't, they examine it, no big deal, for future generations. So it is God who chooses when he opens the understanding or not, or why he does and why he doesn't. But it is he who interprets his own word, not subjectively by our own doing. And so... The prophet asked the place the basket was taken. Where are they carrying the basket? He had no idea. He could not figure it out. Even though he had all the preceding visions at this point, he still couldn't put the dot, he couldn't connect the dots. So in verse eleven, Zechariah was given the location by the angel. The angel revealed the woman of wickedness and the basket would return to the origin where it came from, and he said to me to build a house for it in the land of Shinar. Shinar originally was the kingdom of Nimrod, who hunted souls away from God in Genesis ten, nine, and 10. Babylon represents everything that stands against God. And the Jews had learned all this evil in Babylon, but they're still in it. The evil that resided in Babylon was all related to their evil religions, much of it. A woman is also symbolic and representative of religion in the scriptures. Listen to Revelation 2.20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, Jesus says, because you allow the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. A woman. Religion. Replacing the gospel. Wow. Wow. That is why God says, I do not allow a woman to usurp authority over man. In Timothy, that's a pastoral epistle. That means that no woman can be a pastor teacher over a congregation. That offends women. Really. Listen. In the garden, God says, you can have everything except that one thing. What one thing? Ladies, you can usher... You can teach men, I mean women, you can teach kids, you can do anything in the church, but not be pastor teacher. Why? Because you're usurping authority over the headship of God's creation. Plus also there's a dynamic of of different ways that we deal with each other. Emotionally, ladies, you have greater highs, greater lows. You're more emotionally, okay? It's easier for a woman to be deceived than a man. I'm not saying men cannot be deceived. I'm saying a woman is easier to be deceived than a man alright I'm going to give you one straight clear illustration that will just finalize the point have you ever heard a man say she deceived me sexually absolutely not but you'll hear from many women alright because ladies we initiate and you respond by your emotions now as godly women you don't move you don't allow yourself to be moved by emotion but by the word of God that's what makes you strong and godly. You understand? It's real simple. Notice the angel revealed it would be sent and reside in the region of Babylon. When it is ready, the basket will be set there in its base. So the Tower of Babel was built as a religion in rebellion against God in Genesis 11. It's got a long history back in Genesis It is interesting that the region of the Middle East has been taken over by Islam that rejects Jesus, the Son of God, and decapitates and kills Christians and Jews. Interesting. When someone has a contagious disease, you have to isolate them to protect others. This is what God is doing here. He's chasing his people. He's sanctifying them now. He doesn't want them corrupted again. The prophet Isaiah prophesies against Babylon, short term and long term. And if you were with us in our study of Isaiah 13, um, let me just kind of just give you a little uh, information there. The short term is in Isaiah 13, 17, and 18, was that God would bring the Medo Persian Empire to judge Babylon, as you know. Cyrus, the king of Persia, is called by name and he's called as anointed in 2 Chronicles 36, 23. Ezra 1, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah 45, 1. The Medes being the fiercer of the two, uh, came and joined together. Persia is not mentioned here uh, at this point, but it was fulfilled in 339 B.C. And if you were with us in our study of Jonah in 612, then um, Nineveh was destroyed, the capital of Assyria. Now, the long term will be in the fulfillment during the Great Tribulation. Um, it will be as Sodom and Gomorrah, Isaiah 13, verse 19 through 22 says. So Isaiah gives us the short term, the long term, just like we have it here. Babylon was completely deserted by the 7th century AD, and the Bedouins regarded it as a superstitious dread. Babylon of old is today modern-day Iraq. Remember when Saddam Hussein was declaring himself to be a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar uh, at Desert Storm, and he was preparing the city to be just as grand. Well, God had different plans for him. Um, John records the destiny of religious Babylon in Revelation 18. Commercial Babylon 17. Religious Babylon 18. Listen carefully. In the tribulation period, this will take place. um, The commerce of the world uh, and and religion marries together all the time. And it, it will be completely destroyed. In Revelation 18, verse 1, he says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily in a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons a prisoner for every foul spirit, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have, committed, uh, have become rich through the abundance of her luxuries. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, those who call upon the Lord during the great tribulation. Unless you receive her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup of which she has mixed, mixed double for her, in the measure that she has glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as the queen, And am no widow. I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. Death and mourning and famine. And she will utterly burn with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now the world thinks we're crazy to believe all this. It's alright. I used to be crazy for nothing. Now I'm crazy for Jesus. It doesn't matter. It will happen, ladies and gentlemen. You can only read the writing on the wall. Everybody wants to be a global citizen. They want to do away with nations, borders, boundaries. The next thing is money. It's coming. The woman of evil was removed and returned to Babylon. This is the vision that reveals the judgments of God regarding the evil to sanctify his people back in the land. Consisting of these three scenes, the scroll of the broken law would judge every guilty person coming out of Babylon and who remain in Babylon. The basket of evil purged from the land regarded the evil Israel learned in Babylon. And the two women, evil removed To Babylon. Wow. I'm so glad he gave us the interpretation. Because I would have come up with a whopper. (laughs) Pay attention. These are current today, ladies and gentlemen. Short term. Long term. God has not given us his word to say, Well, you know, that's the way it used to be. It doesn't apply today. Really? You better read very, very carefully. The judgment of God is coming. I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you repent from your sins and call upon his name and that his mercy would fall upon you and he would bury your sins in the deepest ocean and fill your heart and your mind with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ that you might be a light to the world in this very dark, dark world. Lord, thank you for your love and your goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray, Lord, that your hand be upon us. You cause us to be bold and courageous in you, Lord. We pray for those that are listening right now on the radio, the Internet. We pray that you would just deal with our hearts as we are here, present, if anybody doesn't know you, Lord. And that you would just bring conviction and the grace sufficient for them to call on your name to be saved, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved. To repent of your sins. You might be out there on the radio. Somewhere in the world. Hearing. You might be on the internet somewhere. Or if you're here. If you see yourself as a sinner before God. This is your prayer to him. For your salvation. Which he's going to forgive you of everything that's ever done. And make you whiter than snow. In the name of Jesus Christ. This is your prayer to him. Father I come to you in Jesus name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.